friends, let's go ahead and begin. I'm going to invite our chime to sing. That is a call to come into this moment, come into this practice. Welcome everyone. My name is Julia. I'm one of the facilitators of Recovery Dharma in the Spokane Sangha, and it is such a joy to be here. I'd like to set the intention of our practice today with a sentiment of metta. Metta is loving kindness. This one, this drawing, was made by Lo. And it says, May you sweet talk yourself. May you sweet talk yourself. <laughs> what did you say, Lo? Lo goes, sounds like me. May you sweet talk yourself. You know, this is actually really perfect because one of the things that Lo and I were talking about today is one of the radical things that we're doing in Recovery Dharma and just the whole Buddhist practice is we're really looking at that inner landscape, the interiority of ourselves, and we're recognizing that the way that we've been treating ourselves with substance misuse, with negative habit energy, is we've created an inner landscape that is pretty harsh, negative, neglected, bleak. And so to create an inner landscape that is a, a place of friendship and amicability, nonviolence, acceptance, affection, warmth is a really radical thing to do because we live in a society where we're so quick to be negative. It's so, so quick. And so to actually engage in a practice where we're reframing that and we're retraining ourselves to do something different is really rather extraordinary. And one of the th ways we can access this is through our speech. So instead of saying things like, God, Julia, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Not motivating. Not helpful, not even fun. Could be true, could be true. I definitely have the capacity to be a fucking idiot, no doubt. And it's not the whole truth because I also have the capacity to be kind of amazing. So rather than talk to myself that way, even in frustration, I can sweet talk myself. Julia, darling. Ooh, that was a barnyard move. We might need a timeout. Something, something joyful. So that's our attention today. And it's so perfect because the book that we're going to talk about for the next several weeks is this one. And it's called Grow Slowly, Breathe and smile. On Wednesdays, friends, we practice in a, a sort of Zen tradition where we take 
books from Zen masters. We read them, we study them, we discuss them, we meditate upon them. This book is a compilation of the wonderful and sweet sayings of Thich Nhat Hanh. And it was put together by one of his students. Her name is uh, Roshani Ray. And she has some beautiful art that I'll be showing with you today. And what we're going to do is it's just a very simple saying from Thich Nhat Hanh, a little description by Thich Nhat Hanh, and we'll take that into a meditation. And that's what we're going to do. One of the things that's really synchronous, uh, synchronistic about this book and transitioning is for the last two and a half years, we've been studying the book Standing at the Edge by Roshi Joan Halifax. And the foreword to this book is by Roshi Joan Halifax. So without further ado, I'd like to read two paragraphs from this book. Um, and then I'll show you a uh, an image, an art piece um, by Roshani with Thich Nhat Hanh's words. This is what Roshi has to say about this book. When we walk slowly, the world appears more clearly. We see the fine detail of a fern and flower as well as devastation and disruption. We often hurry because we don't want to see. We're afraid to let our senses touch the body of suffering or the body of beauty. Too often we feel as if we have to exhale all the time. The inhale is essential, but then we can exhale. Our culture celebrates activity. The public performance of busyness is how we demonstrate that we're important. The more people see us as tired and overstretched, the more they think we must be indispensable. The truth is the opposite. There is nowhere to go and nothing to do. If we just practice this, we find ourselves in each moment. And this is where we discover wholeheartedness and true freedom. Take a look at that art piece. Thich Nhat Hanh's words are, mindfulness is the basis of happiness. Mindfulness is the basis of happiness. Thich Nhat Hanh writes, the good news, they do not print. The good news, we do print. We have a special edition every moment. The good news is that you are alive. I love that. Mindfulness is the basis of happiness. As we take this in, friends, I want to gently sweet talk you 
and guide you into this practice. And one of the things I'd like to do is bring forward some synonyms for happiness. Because I think happiness is a trippy word. It can set up in the mind, oh, I'm kind of smiley, or I'm kind of blissed out, or everything's going well, that's, that's my happiness. Haha, ha, it's a party, and yeah, we don't always feel that way. Um, so there's some synonyms that we can work with with happiness, like contentment. And maybe things aren't full of ecstatic joy. There's some hardship, there's some struggle, but we've got a handle on it and we feel okay. And maybe that's happiness. Maybe happiness is a moment of enchantment. What does that word stir up in you? Enchantment. I think most importantly, mindfulness as the basis of happiness is an invitation for each of us to consider what are the conditions that we are creating for our happiness. And I think that's the operative word for us here today. What are the conditions that you are engaging in to cultivate your own happiness? The journey of recovery is very, very difficult. The journey of substance misuse and abuse is also very, very difficult. It's not a happy thing. And so it's really difficult for people who are healing to feel happy and then to have the pressure of being mindful leads to my happiness. Well, what if I don't want to feel happy? What if I want to be kind of adolescent and rebel against that because I'm just in a pissed off mood and I don't feel good? Can I have that? Can I be that? Yeah, please do because that's real. But it's not really going to be sustaining. It's not really going to uh, lead to any kind of healing. In fact, it's going to continue to add to wounding. So it's not a sustain sustainable state for a long period of time. And therefore, what are some gentle conditions that we can do to create an essence, maybe just a whiff of contentment? that will help nurture and take care of and keep us safe in these difficult feelings we might be enduring. The conditions are very, very simple, friends. Nutrition. Make sure you're eating good food and you're staying hydrated. That is a condition for happiness. Rest, that is a condition for happiness. Getting in touch with nature, touching the earth. The Buddha was haunted by Mara, temptations. He, I am sure as he was sitting there 
working with suffering, working with the conditions of suffering, I am convinced that he cried. I'm convinced that he almost gave up many times. And he squeezed his butt cheeks and he leaned in and he endured it. And it was really hard. And then finally, Mara with that just cynical, gnarly voice was like, who do you think you are, Siddhartha, making up your own thing? And finally he's like, ah, enough already. Hands to the earth. And he said, the earth is my witness. I am awake to the causes and conditions of my own suffering and my own joy. And the only thing I need is the earth. The earth is my witness. So go to nature. Mindfulness is the basis of your happiness, your sense of contentment and equanimity Awareness of your body is mindfulness. Awareness of your mood is mindfulness. Awareness of your thoughts is mindfulness. Awareness of your stories is mindfulness. When you can touch into and be aware of these things, you are engaged in mindfulness and by extension, you are engaged in creating the conditions for your own happiness. And better yet, your happiness and contentment is the happiness and contentment of your family and your friends, your community, your nations, the world. It is no small thing to devote yourself to creating these conditions. So let's take some time to be silent now and breathe. Come into the body, put the body into a posture that feels gentle and friendly. As you're breathing, on the inhale, feel your eyebrows rise. Close your eyes, nobody's watching or making fun. I might be, but nobody else is. Take a deep breath in and raise your eyebrows. This is the face of curiosity, look at this. And on the exhale, see if you can relax the muscles around your mouth and maybe smile a little. Gentle facial conditions to cultivate a little bit of joy. Maybe if today your heart feels troubled you can put your hand on your heart, maybe 
massage your heart a little bit, that heart chakra space, in small gentle circles, maybe a little bit of pressure there. Just kind of stirring up a little bit of compassion for hard feelings, a wounded heart, tender feelings. Maybe even a sensation that I'm not okay. And of course you are. We can be both at the same time. I'm not okay, and I'm okay. We breathe that in and out. Friends, 
creating the conditions for contentment and joy, maybe even a little bit of happiness compared to participating in the conditions that create confusion and chaos and pain. This is an extraordinary act of mindfulness, presence, and courage. And maybe you're harboring some pretty harsh judgments towards yourself because you're not where you think you should be or you're not where you want to be on your journey of recovery. And you know that's fair. I can really appreciate that. The Buddhist practice is all about saying, yep, I see that. And can you celebrate where you are? and be okay with it? That's the question. And let me frame this beside a very stark statistic as a way of illustrating how amazing your effort to be here today is. There are 30 million people in 2021 who were diagnosed with an alcohol use disorder. And to be diagnosed with an alcohol use disorder, you have to uh, fit a constellation of different categories and different symptoms and different issues. 30 million Americans. 95% of people with a diagnosed alcohol use disorder. Do not seek treatment of any kind. 95%. We are among 5%. So your efforts here today, they may not be what you want, what you dream of, what you hope for, but there's something more than the vast majority of people are doing or feel capable of doing. It's extraordinary. So part of the condition for happiness is to create space for a little bit of grace. You are making some effort you are making some action. It's amazing. And the goodness you bring to this practice, the gentleness, the tenderness, the compassionate understanding may radiate out into the world and touch someone, someone struggling And they may see a light. They may see hope out of the shame, out of the regret, out of the shackles of negativity. All because you prioritize this time today to take a moment to consider the conditions of your happiness as perhaps beneficial to someone else. This is a gift. 
And this is why you being alive and being here is so very precious. Um, what I'd like to do today for our dedication of merit is tell you just a very short story, and it's about working with conditions. And I'd really like to encourage for your dedication of merit, the acknowledgement of practice can change lives, not just your life, but by extension, many, many, many other lives in surprising ways. So one of the things that you're invited to do is don't look at a situation directly, head on. Take the indirect side angle points of view on things. So short story. About 30 years ago, I was living in Seattle and I had a house in kind of a rough part of the city. And I had this beautiful tiered garden. I had the only garden on the block, on the street. And it was this beautiful tiered garden. But people were constantly throwing condoms in there, used needles, bottles. So yuck, gross. I was so bummed out cleaning it out, praying over it. Um, and then, worse, people started stealing my flowers. And they weren't kind about it. They'd rip out the flowers and they'd really kind of cause a mess. And so a direct approach would be put up a whole bunch of signs, don't throw your trash here, quit stealing my flowers, blah, 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 right? But I know better as a practitioner. So one day, I took old um, like cans, just dog food cans, tomato cans, whatever I had, and I wrapped them up in construction paper. And I made pretty little vases. And I cut bouquets, and I filled them in these cans. And then I made these sweet little fairy-sized signs. And I put them all along the wall on one of the tiered gardens. And I was like, fairy blessings, please take all of these flowers and have a happy day. Nobody put garbage in my garden after that. And everyone stopped stealing my flowers after that. To the effect that one day somebody followed me home and scared me because they followed me and I didn't appreciate that. So I was like, courage, 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 Julia, wise courage. And I just turned around and I was barking like, <laughs> stop following me. You're making me nervous. And, and this person, it was a, a young man. He said, I just, I'm sorry, I know, but I just need to apologize. Last week, I took some of your lavender without your permission and I gave it to my mom and I just wanted you to know that. So I followed you home to tell you that I took your lavender. <laughs> so 
take the indirect approach to creating conditions for your lives and the way it affects people will blow your mind. It really, really will. Your happiness is the happiness of the whole world. So thank you for being lights of joy in the world. Thank you for being sources of inspiration to me, to this whole community, and to the spirit of recovery dharma. Thank you for bringing to life the practices of the Buddha, these ancient, ancient practices alive and well in you as you. Namaste, friends.